That's Acts chapter 4, verse 11, page 1306. He is the stone which has been set at naught by you, the builders, which is become the cornerstone. And salvation is in none other, for neither is there another name under heaven which is given among men by which we must be saved. I have a very simple gospel to preach this evening, and I suppose all gospels should really be simple, because uh, they are concerned with one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is him to which I want to focus your minds and your hearts this evening. I want you to be distracted from everything that's occupied you during the week or even today. And I want to occupy your minds and your hearts with Christ Jesus. A man who's been appointed by God to save us from ourselves. I thought it was interesting. I had thought a little about this passage of scripture before I came out to the reading. I found it confirming to read verse 11, which connected with what we read of in the reading. He is the stone which has been set at naught by you, the builders. A stone that's been cast away as worthless. You think, uh, what a, an appropriate analogy that is, that Peter was talking about. You think of the, the stones, the many, many stones that builders would have built with, hundreds and thousands, and they found one stone amongst the many which appeared not to fit. It didn't fit their plans, it didn't fit what they thought was appropriate for the building, and they threw it away. And that speaks, my friend, to me, of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came into this world to offer the solution to man's sin. But uh, man, on the whole, man naturally rejected my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, because he did not fit into their plans, their way of thinking, their religion. But uh, he has been exalted, and that's what Peter reminds us of in that passage that we were speaking about. He says, uh, that which has been set and not by you, the builders, has become the cornerstone. The one, the very stone that is so precious, elect and precious, the one to which we look to. But I was really, um, in this gospel preaching, wanted to focus particularly on verse 12, which uh, I love uh, Peter's preachings, you know, so uncompromising, aren't they? And I don't mean uncompromising in the way that somehow, uh, sometimes uh, it is used in this world as in unloving or harsh. But uh, he was uncompromising because he spoke the truth in a world of darkness and confusion. And uh, my friends, if there is a need for an uncompromising word of truth in the, in the gospel in this world, how much is, the world is in need of it today, where there is so much darkness. Can you see the darkness? We look at uh, the darkness outside, and uh, the daytime is much better because we can see where we're going. But in the darkness, things become difficult. People trip and tumble. They find themselves in places they did not expect. But uh, the Lord came into this scene of darkness as the one who was the light, the light of God, the light of the world. And um, I love the way Peter speaks so um, uncompromisingly 
of uh, the fact that salvation is in none other. And uh, in a world where there's so many voices, so much confusion, so many opinions, so many distractions, mm. it's wonderful to be reminded that salvation is in none other. We can point to the one in heaven who is the only one, the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only one who is able to save. Save from sin. And uh, that uh, is underlined as important in this uh, verse 12 at the end of it. It speaks about um, there is no other name under heaven which is given among men by which we must be saved. And uh, there seems to be in this world today so little understanding of the need to be saved. Men seem to go along their lives here without any apparent need of being saved. But my friend, uh, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Saviour in Lord, then uh, you do have a very deep need. And that deep need is to be cleansed from your sin before a righteous, unholy God. Those things that we have done that uh, are according to our, our own will and not God's will. How many of them, if we're honest, have we accumulated over the years, over the decades? Many, many thousands of sins. But how wonderful it is that uh, there is an offer in the Gospel to be saved from those sins. For those sins to be eradicated, not brushed under the carpet and forgotten about and revealed at a later date, but erased before the sight of a holy and righteous God, so that uh, we can be free in his presence. And um, I wonder at the extent to which uh, the Lord Jesus Christ went, that we might be ransomed, that we might be redeemed back to God. He showed and demonstrated the extraordinary love of God in his pathway here amongst men and his crucifixion at Calvary's cross. I wish to remind all of us this evening about the pathway that he went. He was indeed the Son of God who came from glory's highest heights, who was there before time began, who was there before the earth was even created, and he created us, and we failed immediately. Adam and Eve, they failed there immediately in the garden when the circumstances were perfect. And yet, uh, and they were given instruction of what not to do. And uh, they ate of the fruit of that tree. And they sinned and they fell. And ever since, man has, uh, belongs to a fallen race, to a sinful race. And, um, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world embodying the extraordinary, overwhelming love of God. Mm. He demonstrated the love of God. God was always um, a holy and righteous God. He was always a God of love. And this was demonstrated through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his pathway here, he had nothing but blessing for man. He healed those who were oppressed of the devil. He healed those who were blind, those who were deaf, those who were lame, those who had leprosy, every human condition and sin he cleansed from whilst he was down here 
below. And yet, he was that stone that the builders rejected. You wonder why, don't you? Why was that? Have you asked yourself that question? As a man who could heal to such an extraordinary extent, one who could raise people from amongst the dead, why? Why was he rejected? Well, I think the answer lies in our own hearts, that um, we despise righteousness because his light exposes the darkness in our own hearts. And we feel uncomfortable with that. But the Lord, in his grace and mercy, he could see our condition, lost, ruined, undone. And he went the way towards Calvary's cross. He knew exactly what was going to fall upon his holy head there at Calvary's cross. It was indeed the just judgment of God for my sin. Yes, he suffered at the hands of man. How cruel, how awful that was. The pain, the hatred, the scorn, the spitting, the mockery against my Lord and Saviour. How awful it was. And yet, there was uh, a more awful suffering. And that was the suffering that he suffered at the hands of his God and Father when his God and Father forsook him there, forsook him there at Calvary's cross. When my sins, all of them, past, present and future, were laid upon the head of the Saviour and they were exhausted. Can you say that tonight? Can you say that in your heart? That you know for certainty that all of your sins, past, present and future, were laid upon the head of the Saviour and he took the just judgment of God for each and every one, that you might go free. My friend, these things should touch your heart. I do pray that the Holy Spirit might work in your heart, that you might have your eyes open. And that is what God is asking for in the Gospel tonight, is that eyes might be opened, that we might see the extraordinary love of God that is towards us, that we might not be in darkness and not understand the amazing love of God, that we might have our eyes open and see and experience the real and living reality of God's love made known in Jesus Christ. So that, having seen that, so that there having been a witness in the Scriptures, so that there having been a witness, however feeble, in the one who preaches, that there might be a response God requires a response. He holds you responsible as one who has heard the, uh, the gospel concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. He holds you responsible for seeing the words of Scripture and knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ has been presented as the only Saviour for sinners, as the one who has suffered for your sin in its entirety. He holds you responsible to come to him in simplicity tonight. And he desires two things, that you might repent of your sin, that you might come before God, that you might take stock right here and now of your life before a righteous and holy God. And ask yourself the question, has this been acceptable before God? We all know the answer, it's within 
our own hearts. We know the truth. And God wants to expose that truth to you tonight. We know that we have fallen far short of the glory of God. We've been desperate, depraved sinners. And we, God requires from us repentance towards him. A turning, not only for our sins, but our sinful state. And we are those who are sinful by our very nature. And he wants you to come to him tonight and confess your sins before him. And he can cleanse you entirely. He can erase those sins because of what Jesus Christ has done. That is the qualification. There is no qualification that we can give. We cannot leave a better life. It would make absolutely no difference. The day that we committed the first sin, um, well, actually, because of our sinful state, we still would not have been acceptable to God before we committed our first sin. But uh, we do require that repentance before God. And then we need to look to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, in faith and understand that the work that he has done there at Calvary's cross is entirely satisfactory before the sight of a holy and righteous God. That he is entirely satisfied with what Christ has done. That the judgment has been borne is entirety because my Lord and my Saviour said, it is finished. The whole matter of sin, the judgment of sin was completed and exhausted there at Calvary's cross in those three hours of darkness. And that, my friends, is the reason why you can have faith. And faith is sometimes difficult for us to cry out to the Lord that he might give you faith to understand that he has suffered there for you that you might go free. Well, I pray that you might understand tonight that salvation is in another, another. That first and foremost, we need to be saved. We need to be saved from ourselves. We need to be saved from our sins. And Christ has come that we might be saved from our sins. It's, it's a, a free and wonderful offer that's given in the glad tidings. It is the best offer that you'll ever hear about in this world. There is no price to pay. You hear about offers in this world, but there's always something that needs to be paid, not truly free. But the gospel is wonderful because it's a, a price has indeed been, been paid by Christ at Calvary's cross. And you just need to confess your sins and have faith in Christ and you will be forgiven. You'll be set free set free from the burden of your sin and be able to have that uh, um, relationship with uh, your Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and be able to have that relationship with somebody who you can know as your father you can know God as your father amazing that that distance can be removed in a moment you could walk in that door with uh, an enormous gulf not being able to speak to God not being able to pray to him, not being able to praise him. But the miracle of God's love is that you can walk out of that door being able to praise him, being able to praise him for what he has done in Christ Jesus. Well, I just pray that in these dark days, these darkening days in all truthfulness, where there is increasing confusion and 
introspection and many confusing voices in this world. Mm. What we need is to focus our minds and our hearts in a man in glory, mm -hmm. and his name is Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. He alone will give us life, life eternal. He will give us life, undying life in an eternal day when all eyes will be focused upon him, a glorious man in glory, and each and every one will have their own individual appreciation of him, and we will find life alone in him whilst here below. We will find our unity in alone in him. How wonderful that is. Let us have our hearts and our minds focused on our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I spoke to a recruitment agent recently. A number of people will know that I was made redundant <coughs> from my job there at the back end of August. And um, I got talking to a recruitment agent and I found out that he was a Christian. He, he saw that um, I noticed that I was a Christian on my CV. And you know, it set my heart on fire. It made my day. It, uh, I found that I had that immediate connection because he was one who had like precious faith. And uh, I forgot about that contact for a while. And then whilst I was re-employed, uh, um, just very recently, this past week, he phoned me up again and um, he reminded me of the conversation that we had had together. And we had faith. And it's just a wonderful thing to experience that you have that fellowship, you have that um, understanding, you have that knowledge of Christ, the Lord is your Saviour. Yeah. And um, that is something that's supposed to unify us, connect us, make us praise and worship God, and lift our spirits and give glory to Him. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen.